by the United Methodist Women. And tomorrow they will be uh, picked up uh, by our, and delivered by volunteers to our caring angels. So that's really great. It's a great thing that our church does and is a part of. Uh, we have Bible studies on Wednesday nights. Harriet Murray has the best class in the world, I hear, ever. Uh, Pastor Sam has one as well, second best in the world. Uh, and his Bible study is here in the sanctuary. Cool thing about your class, though, is you can watch it online if you don't want to come in person. Um, so that's an option, and we have kids and youth are here on Wednesday nights, so it's a lot of fun. Uh, we invite you to join us. Christmas Eve, we're going to have two services, so we can do a better job at spreading out for those. One's going to be at four, the other one at six. Uh, we're asking that you make reservations so we can 
control our crowd a little better, um, make reservations online, or you can call the church office. Also, I want to let you know we have a great, uh, beautiful angel tree over there, and I've been told there's only two left, I believe, two or three angels left. So uh, you might want to make sure you get over there and pick up an angel as uh, you can go shopping for someone that needs Christmas gifts this year. Um, December the 13th, which is next Sunday, I hear that JT and Benny and this great choir have something special for us. So you want to make sure you join us in person uh, for traditional worship next Sunday or uh, join us online. It's going to be a great Sunday. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Loving God, we are so thankful uh, to be able to worship together this morning. We pray that you'll calm our hearts and our minds uh, as we worship you this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Each year in Advent, we, we light candles on our Advent wreath, and it's, it's one of my favorite parts of the Advent service. We are waiting and watching for Christ's coming, and today we are lighting two candles. We are lighting uh, the candle of hope and the candle of peace, and I'm going to invite our, our two uh, ushers to come and join me this morning. We wait and watch for the Lord's coming. We light candles of hope, peace, joy, and love, remembering the promises of God with prayer. Today, we light a candle of hope, and for the second Sunday of Advent, the candle of peace. Hear these promises from Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. A shoot shall come from the stump of Jesse, a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what the eyes see or decide by what ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters that cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to all the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. Will you join me as we pray together? Faithful God, you are at work to restore all of creation as its intended harmony. Give us your shalom, that we may be reconciled to all enemies in the peace that passes all understanding through Christ Jesus our Lord, God of promise, God of hope, into our darkness come. Amen. Thank you. 
Will you stand with us for the affirmation of faith? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he arose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated, and uh, Pastor Andy and Afton are going to be taking our children to Children's Church at this time. If you'll meet them over by the Salvation Army Angel Tree. Um, we, every year, have an opportunity to support our United Methodist Children's Home with what we call our White Christmas Offering. And from now until our Christmas Eve services, uh, you are invited to, to give as you are able to help support the children's home. There's so many things that I could say about the United Methodist Children's Home, uh, but we have a special video that we want to air right now, and I hope that you'll take time to just watch this video about our children's home. Have you felt it? We sing about it, talk about it, and write about it this time of year, but have you truly experienced it for yourself? It's the joy of a savior, that inward joy of knowing that we have a savior who loves us and has made a way for us. And it's comfort, the comfort of knowing whatever challenges we face, whether now or in the future, not one of those can take away from what God has already done on our behalf. So what are we to do with this comfort and joy? Jesus says we are to share it. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. That's just what United Methodist Churches in Alabama and Northwest Florida have faithfully done 130 years now. They've been a light to kids in very dark circumstances. Vulnerable children in our communities need the basic necessities we all need. Food, clothing, and a roof over their heads. With your help, 
UMCH makes them feel at home and cares for them as if they were their own. But that's just the beginning. The neglect, abuse, and abandonment our kids have experienced is life-altering. But thanks to you, we are able to provide a safe haven where there's healing and hope. Most important of all, vulnerable children are looking for someone to love them. As a result of your support, we embrace them, meet them where they are, and love them unconditionally. We are the light of the world, Jesus says, in celebration of the light God has placed inside of us. We are reminded of the need to share God's comfort and joy with those who may not have it. And you have the opportunity to be a beacon of God's love through the annual White Christmas Offering. Your continuous support is vital to helping ensure these children know the true meaning of the season, a source of comfort and joy that will serve them all year round. Be a light this Christmas. Give comfort, give joy. Consider giving to the United Methodist Children's Home. by making a check out to the, our church and just writing Children's Home at the bottom of the check. You can give online by e-giving. However you uh, give your traditional tithes and offerings, you can give a gift to the Children's Home if you'll just earmark it and let us know. Um, the, my favorite line in the video is, uh, we have comfort and joy, and what are we going to do with it? We're going to share it so that others can have comfort and joy too. Thank you for supporting your church Will you now join me as we go to the Lord in prayer? God, we do hear the tidings of comfort and joy, and we are thankful. We are thankful that you have blessed us in so many ways and that you have brought us this far, that you have made us able, you've given us breath to give you praise, and that's what we want to do because you are worthy. You are our God of hope and peace and joy and love. As we await the coming of Christmas, we prepare our hearts for you. Lord, we pray for all of those who are struggling now, whether they're struggling with physical illness or mental illness, whether they're just struggling with loneliness and just the disruption that this year has brought. God, we pray for those who are providing comfort and joy and hope and help. Lord, pray for the caregivers now, Lord, that you would strengthen them. We pray for ourselves, God, because we need you. We need you to forgive us. We need you to help us, to heal us, to make us whole again, to be our Savior. We need you to teach us today, Lord, the prayer you taught your disciples when you said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
I'm so proud of the, the way that we've been able to adjust and do more music uh, during Advent. And if you enjoy this beautiful music, I want to invite you to make sure that you participate with us either in person or, or watching us at 11 o'clock next Sunday because the entire program is going to be uh, this beautiful music that we enjoy so much. So thank you, uh, Rhonda and JT and Benny and the choir for providing us with that. Today we continue with our Advent theme, Incarnation, Rediscovering the Significance of Christ. And just one more thing, if you are wanting to, to really dig in more about this study, about the, the, our Advent theme, I invite you to come to, to Harriet's or to my, we're, we're both teaching from the book, Adam Hamilton book, Incarnation. And what I preach on today, uh, I'll be teaching on Wednesday night. And join us either by video or in person. And we'll, we'll prepare our hearts for the Lord together during this season of Advent. Today we're looking at Matthew chapter 1. I invite you to turn over there with me or follow along on the screen. Uh, Matthew 1 verses 18 through 21 is the scripture for this morning. Now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Several years ago, I was at a big youth conference, one of those deals where they have, we have a big auditorium that's full of hundreds of teenagers, and there's lots of noise and lots of music and lots of energy and several different speakers, and it was a lot of fun. It was great. But I remember one speaker in particular because I remember something that he did with us, something that he took us through uh, using a passage of Scripture from Romans chapter 5. He, he opened his Bible up and he started with verse 1. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I thought it's like laying a foundation. Our, our very uh, beliefs as, as Protestant Christians are laid on this foundation. We are justified by faith and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he went on to, uh, to read verses 6 through 8 and kind of drills down on these verses. He said, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. And I remember he paused right then. And he said, Everybody say ungodly. And we kind of half-heartedly said ungodly. And then he said, No, that's not loud enough. Everybody say ungodly. And then everybody kind of got into it. Like, this is kind of fun. Ungodly. They were elbowing each other and everything. Ungodly, you know. And so then he kept on reading. He said, indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love toward us 
in that while we were still sinners, again, he stopped and said, everybody say sinners. And this time we were into it. Sinners. Point to somebody around you and say sinners. And that was kind of fun. Sinners, you know. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So he said, now we're going to do a skit based on Romans chapter 5. I need 10 volunteers. The first 10 people up here on stage get to be the volunteers. And some enthusiastically and some with a push from behind with their youth groups. A various group of girls and boys came up and they all got on the corner of the stage. Some were into it and they were egging on the crowd. Some were kind of shy. But he said, okay, across this stage... Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to, to go, have a range or a continuum that goes all the way from, from evilness over on the left side to goodness all the way on the right side. And I'm going to call out different characters in history and you're going to be on this continuum of evilness to, to goodness. Okay? So my first volunteer, I need someone to volunteer to be um, Mother Teresa and this teenage boy lifted his hand up and you could tell he was the kind that really liked the attention so and the speaker was like fine Mother Teresa you're gonna come over here and you're gonna get over here to the right hand scale of goodness and he was waving to the crowd and everything and he said okay my next volunteer I need someone to be Adolf Hitler and so this teenage girl raised her hand and she was egging the crowd on too it's like, come on, Adolf, you're going to get over here to the other end. And then he proceeded to go through all of his volunteers all the way along the continuum of evilness and goodness. And over here we had Billy Graham and the Pope and, and I, I don't know, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. and all of this kind of stuff. And over here we had Hitler and we had Stalin and we had Attila the Hun and, and Osama bin Laden and, and however Charles Manson, however many people you could think over here. And he had all of them spread out over here. And then he got down to one volunteer left. The shyest girl up there was the last volunteer. She didn't volunteer for anything. And she was scared. I could tell that she was scared. And he said, okay, I got something special for you. She said, and then he went back and he emphasized this verse again. God proves his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And he looked at that little girl and he said, you're going to represent Jesus. And I'm going to let you decide where on this stage you want to stand. Who on this stage you want to stand beside. And for a moment there... I was really kind of worried because she looked like a deer in the headlights. And then she very bravely walked over and stood with Hitler and Attila the Hun and all of those folks, those scandalous figures on the evil side of the line. And so looking out at all of us all over the auditorium, the speaker said, okay, on all of this continuum of goodness and evilness, who do you think up here needs a savior? He said, uh, the people on the left-hand side over here with the rotten folks, do they need a savior? Yes. People over on the good side over here, do they still need a savior? Yes. Okay, show of hands. 
Who thinks that everybody up here needs a savior? And we all raised our hands. And then he said, okay, one more show of hands. Out of everybody in this whole auditorium, all the hundreds of people in this whole auditorium, how many of us here also need a savior? And we all raised our hands again. And I raised my hands maybe higher than anybody else because I know, right? I know. And if you at home uh, who are worshiping with us and you are here in person worshiping with us, if you're picturing yourself on this line somewhere, well, I'm not, I'm not way over there, but I'm also not way over there. If you're thinking about what you would do and what you would say, would you be willing to raise your hand too? How many of us need to have you? I mean, really, this is, I want you to actually raise your hand. Is it just me? Sheila's raising her hand back there in the bathroom, Matthew, too. Yeah, we all do, right? We all do. So that's one of the four big truths that I was thinking of this morning as we think about Christ as our Savior. It's one that we all need to say. We all do. Um, and then if we all need a Savior, and we do, then the implication is there's something that we need to be saved from. Otherwise, we wouldn't need a Savior. But there is something that we need to be saved from. And the key to what we need to be saved from, that's the second truth, is found in the angel's message. Uh, you're going to have a son and you're going to name him Jesus because he's going to save people from their sins. Yes, we need a savior because we have something that we need to be saved from. And what we need to be saved from is our sins. Going back to the skit with Romans chapter five, um, Jesus came for the ungodly. All of us, right? He came for the sinners, all of us. So let's talk about sin for a minute. You're looking forward to that, aren't you? I can tell. Let's talk about sin for a minute. By the way, beware of any preacher who never talks about sin. And on the flip side, beware of any preacher who only talks about sin. But the sin that I'm talking about, if we look in the Bible, in the Old Testament, most of the time when you see the word sin, it's the, word, it's the Hebrew word hata, and it means to stray from the path. Like Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. Okay, we can relate to that. In the New Testament, it's the word hamartia, the Greek word hamartia, and it means to miss the mark. It's an archery term, right? Picture a target with a bullseye, someone shooting a bow and arrow, and missing the mark. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have aimed for the mark and we missed it. So we're prone to do that, aren't we? We are actually prone to stray from the path. We're prone to miss the mark. One of my favorite hymns is, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And in that, in that great hymn, there is a line that goes like this. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I don't know about you, but I do feel that. I do feel that tug of war inside of me. I do feel what the Apostle Paul described in Romans chapter 7, where there's a, a war going on inside of me, and the thing that I want to do, I find myself not doing, and the thing that I don't want to do, that's the thing that I end up doing. And it's that, that struggle 
Am I the only ones here? Are, are, y'all, are y'all feeling that prone to wander too? Prone to miss the mark? So if we are prone to do that, if our sin nature causes us to be prone to miss the mark and prone to wander off the path, then two implications pop up from there. If we're prone to miss the mark, then there must be a mark, right? If we're prone to wander off the path, then there must be a path. And so that's the first truth is that there is a path that God wants us to walk and there is a mark that God wants us to hit. Because listen, God loves you, he loves me, he loves us so much that he's not indifferent to our lives. God doesn't just sit passively by and just say, yeah, okay, um, he's trashing his life, I don't care. You know, God loves us, God does have a path for us, okay? And God does have a mark that he wants us to hit. And, and Jesus talked about it when he said, look, there's really two commandments and everything hangs on those two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. If we could just stay on that path, right? If we could just hit that mark, everything would be great. I mean, great. But we're prone to not do that. So the other thing that pops up if we say, I'm prone to get off the path, I'm prone to miss the mark, is I'm going to need a Savior. I'm going to need a Savior because I know I can't save myself. And you can't save yourself either. We could all go to the bookstore and we could go to the self-help section and we could, we could read everything in there about how to improve our lives and how to reach enlightenment and all of the things that we could do to pull ourselves up by our own bootstrap. But we can't save ourselves. I don't know. I don't, if you, I, ever since I've been little, I'm just like, Mama would say, now be good. And I would, I would try it, Mama. I really tried. But we can't save ourselves. And this proneness to get off track, the proneness to miss the mark, it always results in suffering. It always results in alienation and guilt and shame. We need a savior and sin is what we need saving with. And it would be super depressing if I just left it right there, but I got two more truths to go. And the next one is really great news. It's really great good news. And it is that God has provided us a Savior who is Jesus Christ the Lord. That is the good news of Matthew chapter 1, announced by the angel. Uh, Last week we also had an angel announcing to Mary. Uh, The angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, Hey Mary, you're going to have a son and he's going to be the son of the Most High and he's going to take the throne of his ancestor David and of his kingdom will be no end and he told her all of this stuff and Mary said incredibly let it be to me even as you have said let it be to me even as you have said isn't that a powerful thing that she said isn't that wonderful that she did that and then think about what she had to do next she was engaged to Joseph Now she had to take this good news and take it to Joseph and convince him that it was good news. Hey, wouldn't you have liked to have been there there for that conversation? Hey, Joseph, how you doing, honey? I got some news. It's exciting news. 
I'm going to have a baby. No, wait, really, I didn't cheat on you, Joseph. I didn't cheat on you. It's a child conceived by the Holy Spirit, and it's going to be great. It's going to be, this really is good news. Really, Joseph, come back. No, I'm just thinking about it. Well, Joseph, understandably, was very, I don't know, suspicious. He was planning on divorcing her is, is technically what he had to do to put her away uh, because they were in that one year long engagement period, betrothed period, uh, which they weren't living together, but they were, they were bound together. And he was going to put her away privately to avoid public scandal. But then an angel visited him too. And an angel said to Joseph, Joseph, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because this is really is good news. It's the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And then the angel said, listen to this. Mary's going to have a son, and you're going to name him Jesus. So pause right there for a second and ask, why Jesus? Of all the strong biblical characters in the Bible, all the names that could have been picked, why Jesus? Why Jesus? The very next phrase the angel said to Joseph tells us why Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. You see, Jesus was to be not the child's name because the very name Jesus means God saves. Jesus' name represented what he was bringing. That was salvation. Remember when the angels came to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2 and said, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be unto you and to all people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The good news of great joy to all people is that Jesus Christ is God's Savior to the world. And we all need a Savior. And what we need saving from is our sin. And God gave that Savior to us in Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't that awesome? Now, the fourth big truth is this. Jesus saves us to the uttermost. Jesus doesn't do a halfway job with anything. He saves us to the uttermost. Hebrews 7.25 says that Jesus can save to the uttermost everyone who comes, who draws near to God through him because he is always interceding for us, constantly, actively interceding for us. He saves us to the uttermost. Every year at annual conference, we always open by singing an old Charles Wesley hymn. By the way, this month is Charles Wesley's birthday, and I hear that, that Benny McNair is going to be playing Charles Wesley hymns at noon on Charles Wesley's birthday. That's just a little hint of something that he's going to be doing. But we always sing at annual conference hymn number 553 in the United Methodist Hymnal, and Are We Yet Alive? This year we had to sing it virtually, but we still sang it, right? Um, there's a verse in there that goes like this. Uh, then let us make our boast of his redeeming power, which saves us to the uttermost till we can sin no more. Jesus saves us to the uttermost till we can sin no more. Wow. 
how does how does Jesus our Savior how does he do that how does he save us to the uttermost till we can sin no more um, there's a a three-part way that helps me when I think about how Jesus saves us completely to the uttermost and the first part of it is this is that Jesus has saved us and when I, I save when I say Jesus has saved us I, I always think about another great Charles Wesley hymn and this one we sing at Easter that says uh, love's redeeming work is done Fought the fight, the battle won. Death in vain forbids him rise. Christ has opened paradise. Alleluia. Right? Love's redeeming work is done. 2,000 years ago, Jesus has saved us. Jesus has opened paradise. Okay? And then the second part of that is that Jesus is saving us. We Wesleyan Christians call this sanctifying grace, and it's just the truth that God, through the Holy Spirit, is at work now within us and constantly at work within us because we're all works in progress, and God works in us to detoxify us, okay? Detoxify us from the effects of sin. And, and we may not be where we would like to be. Lord knows that we're not. We're not where we'd like to be. But if we look objectively, we know we're not where we used to be when we first said yes to Jesus and that God has brought us along and that the Holy Spirit continues to work and we continue to grow in grace and we continue hopefully to look more and more like Jesus. That's what it means that Jesus is saving us. You see, salvation, that word salvation doesn't just mean that I, I get a get out of hell free card it means it means deliverance it means rescuing it means healing it's the complete package and all of that stuff Jesus is doing in us now and then the third part of it of Jesus saving us to the uttermost is that Jesus will finally save us there will come a day when we will join all of those who are surrounding the throne right now and we will finally be saved to quote another hymn, save to sin no more. Save to sin no more. Well, that day's not here yet. Every day I'm reminded of that, aren't you? That day's not here yet, but we know by faith that day will come. That day will come. Jesus, our Savior, has saved us and is saving us and will finally save us to the uttermost. And that, that is such great good news. It ought to put a smile on our face as big as, I don't know, as big as the smile on the Jesus cowboy. Have you ever seen the Jesus cowboy? All right. So if you're leaving Tuscaloosa and you're going out of town on Old Highway 11 because you don't want to hit all that traffic down by the interstate or you don't want to take Buttermilk Road, you're going to go all the way down on Highway, Old Highway 11. You get to this intersection, right? And there's a Bojangles up on the hill there. And there's a guy that stands out there with a cowboy hat holding the sun. Have y'all seen him? Y'all have seen him. I know some of you have seen him. He stands out there and he holds a sign that says, Jesus will save you. And he's got this big smile on his face. And I'm talking about rain or shine. 
It doesn't matter. The Jesus cowboy's there, and he's waving his sign and waving to people. People honk the horn at him, and sometimes people come up there, and he prays with them. You know, the first time I saw the Jesus cowboy, I was kind of cringy a little bit because there's, I have seen some people around town, that around Rainbow City and around that this hold up signs that basically say you're going to hell, and it kind of makes me cringe. I'm like, really? You know, but then he's holding up one that says Jesus will save you, which is the good news side of it, right? The good news is not that we're sinners. The good news is we have a Savior, right? And so when I thought about that, I thought, and now every time I go by, I'm like, honk, honk, Jesus, cowboy, you know? Sometimes I go through Bojangles because, you know, it's Bojangles. But um, that's, the, that's the good news, y'all. Jesus will save even me, even you. I want to close by giving you another line from a hymn, and I don't know why I'm using so many hymn lines today. It just, it's just, that's just the way it is. But this is a Martin Luther hymn. It's, it's a, a great Advent hymn. And it says, Savior of the nations, come. Virgin Son, here make thy home. Here make thy home. Marvel now, O heaven and earth, that the Lord chose such a birth. Marvel now, O heaven and earth. How marvelous is it that we have a Savior? Let us pray. Lord, it is marvelous. It is wonderful to think that the very thing we needed the most at just the right time that we needed while we were still sinners while we were still the ungodly you sent us a savior you sent us a savior we can't save ourselves we can't do it but we don't have to because we have a savior so thank you Lord for saving us thank you for saving us that day on Calvary and through the resurrection. Thank you for working in us even now to detoxify us from the effects of sin and to make us look more like you. Thank you, Lord, that there will come a day when you will save us to the uttermost. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, um, we're going to, to close by singing a great, great Advent hymn number 196, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. I hope that you will sing with us uh, even if you're at home on the couch. It's number 196. If you have a hymnal or if you want to follow along, we're going to stand and sing together. 196.
would you take your seat for just a moment? I want to invite David, if you'll come on up here. David Gray has been uh, part of our church family for uh, some time now, but he is making it official today. David will be moving his membership here to be a part of our church family at Gadsden First United Methodist Church from another United Methodist Church over in Georgia. And David, welcome to you. And I just in, uh, invite you to answer these questions. Will you be loyal to this church and support it with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? And I would shake your hand, but we don't do that anymore. So <laughs> I'll just bump elbows with you and say welcome to the family. And now if you will stand, we'll have our benediction and then you can send your greetings to David and type them in your comments or, or, or let him know he's, he's welcome in our family. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit go with us now and forever. Amen.